0: Window, wouldn't you, or the waterfall, or something happening out there? What a beautiful spot to be meeting together and uh, just uh, you know connecting with God in in this place. And so, yeah, it's a real privilege to be back with you and to see so many familiar faces again. It's always good. God's going to do some good things today, so I hope you're ready for uh, all that He has and wants to do uh, in your life. And um, I want to want to talk today about the God who overrules. The Bible tells us in Romans 8, 28, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. You know, God's got a purpose for every single one of us, not by chance that you're here today. It's not by chance that God has called you. But, you know, sometimes in life, you know, we, we give our hearts to the Lord, we're Christians. But, You know, sometimes we can still feel that there are things that hold us back, things that have happened in the past, maybe mistakes that have happened or an addiction way back there, a health problem that's come up, some situation that you just can't control on your own. And these things can have an effect, sometimes a long-term effect on our life, things that have happened way back and still affect us. We can think about things and suddenly our own mind sort of clamps down on it. We all face limiting situations. But the good thing is that we have a God that can overturn areas we feel would block us from moving forward. I love the scripture. David said in Psalm 93 verse 4, he said, My enemies retreated. They staggered and died when you appeared. For you have judged in my favor from your throne you have judged with fairness. When you read about David, David fought, I don't know how many battles over how many enemies. But you know, again and again, you know, he sought God, and you see in every one of those battles, he won. He had, he had victory after victory because he connected with God and because he sought God. But he also had inner battles in his own life, he had areas of weakness, sin hap- happened in his life. And there were consequences when he made those mistakes and when he sinned against God. But even though there were consequences, God still restored David and brought him back to the place of serving him. And that was because of David's love for God and God's love for David. And it's, it's like that in, in our lives. You know, we have a God that no matter what we are facing, he is with us in the situation. So whatever you are facing today, you know, we all face different things at different times. There are seasons in life that we go through. There are great times. We're on the mountaintop. And boy, those valleys, when they come, they can be dark and they can be deep. And, you know, we face them. We go through them. Or we have friends that do that. We can stand with them. But, you know, whatever we are facing today, you know, God is a God that is on our side. He is for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? You know, in New Zealand, we have a legal system. There are all sorts of courts. There's a family courts. There are district courts. There's a high court, the court of appeal, and the Supreme Court. So all different levels of the judicial, judicial system. And and the highest court is the, is the final place that makes the final decision. For instance, you know, you can... Uh, the lower court can make a, a verdict in, in your case. and But, you know, that's not the end of the story. You can appeal against that verdict. And if you appeal, you go to a higher court. And if that court sees things differently and they make a different verdict, it's the higher court's verdict that stands. And so we see that in the natural, in, the, in, the, in our legal system. But, you know, it's similar in our life. We all face judgments of some sort, people's opinions about us, it happened, started when we were this high, and it still happens, no matter where we get in life. People have things to say, people have opinions, people will say, well, you know, you'll never amount to anything, you'll never do any good, you know, you've been uh, single so long, you'll never find a partner. They say things like, well, you've seen the medical report, there's no hope for you. You know, and and these things, to me, they're like lower court rulings they're opinions of people, they're things that have been spoken, but what we've got to be careful of is they don't start taking effect in our life, because so often these things do, and they become self-condemnation, it can become self-talk, so that when we hit a stumbling block, we start saying, oh, you never do it, you never rise up, and we can be saying exactly the same thing, you know, that's the lower court's ruling, that's not the final verdict, That's not the final decision. Our God is the Most High God. That's who He's called. In Psalm 91, it says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust Him. He is the Most High God. He is the Supreme Ruler. So when the lower court, Says things like, "You're no good. You made too many mistakes. You'll never fulfill your destiny." God says, "Overruled. My mercy is bigger than any mistake that you have made. You'll never get out of debt ever. Overruled. I will provide all of your needs." We need to hear what the Most High is saying. You'll never break that addiction. Bible says, "Who the sun sets free is free." Indeed, you've seen the medical report, you'll never get well. I am the Lord, your healer. You know, don't let the lower court decide your future and your state of living. Don't let it become permanent. You know, come against that in the mighty name of Jesus. Our God is the most high God. So when it comes to the judge who's reviewing your case over all of these things that you might feel have been spoken about you, Remember this, the judge who's reviewing your case isn't somebody that's, you know, you're related to him. I mean, you're in a great position. I mean, he's on your side. He's not some sort of distant relative, twice removed sort of cousin from some other country. He's your heavenly father. He judges in your favor. His heart is towards you. You're related to him. And he watches over you. You know, sometimes in this life we think it's like God versus the enemy. Like it's some sort of equal option about what might happen in your life. But it's not like that at all. You know, God is the creator. He created the enemy. The enemy is an angel. But he's not just an angel. He's a fallen angel. He's lost his position. He's lost his authority. He's lost his power. In fact, he's the biggest loser of all time. And we need to understand exactly who he is. He was not made in the image of God. Who was? You were. You were made in the image of God, not him. He doesn't have that authority. When Jesus died on the cross and he rose again, three days he was in the tomb. I mean, he wasn't just sleeping for three days while things were happening. The Bible says he marched into hell, and he proclaimed the good news of the victory of what he had won. And he marched to Satan and took from him the keys of death and hell, and he proclaimed the victory of the cross. You see, the lower court thought they, Jesus was finished. They thought the cross, that was it, that is our victory. But instead of that, you know, God wasn't trembling and worrying about how this was all going to work out. This was God's plan. And God overcame the enemy. The last enemy defeated was death and hell. And Jesus won that victory. And we need to understand, you know, when the devil looks at us, we remind him of what's happened. We remind him of the victory that Christ bought. Jesus came out of there and he said, all authority has been given to me. And then he gave it to his disciples. He's given it to each of us to enforce that victory. David said, my enemies retreated. They staggered and died because you judged in my favor. You know, God overrules in life's experiences. I'm sure all of us can look back over our life and think about, think of events that have happened where if it wasn't for God's overruling, things would have gone to custard. I remember one time I was... And this was before I was a Christian. You know, God didn't sort of start working in my life when I gave my heart to Jesus. He was at work right from the beginning. My mum was a Christian, a great prayer. And, and you know, in the teenage years, I wasn't all that thankful about that. But, boy, as I look back now, I'm really thankful that I had a mum that prayed. I remember one time, uh, three of us had borrowed a friend's car. And I uh, had just got a nice, it was a V8 Coupe, it was beautiful condition. Um, and um and he said, I'll oh, take it for a spin, a crazy thing to do to three young teenage guys you know so so we took it out on on a Friday night, and we we were going out on the motorway south uh, of Auckland, you know Friday night traffic, and you know what it was like, and it just started to rain, and so I guess the road was just a little bit slippery, but anyway, we were going for it, you know, testing it out, seeing what it would do and but there was a car in front of us that sort of started to slow us down so so the driver thought oh well I'll park so I pass them so spun the wheel but put the foot down on the accelerator at the same time big heavy uh, coupe V8 it was and uh, and and uh, it just went into a spin you know Friday night traffic I mean traffic both ways on the motorway just by Mount Wellington there and uh, Didn't have time to think about anything because suddenly we are spinning around like this. Thankfully, the outside lane, there there was nobody in it, but we went straight across the grass verge. We were through on the other side. When we hit the lane, the first lane on the other side, the door flung open. My friend went flying out the door and skidding on his backside right across the the far lane of of the uh, motorway and across the gravel strip, and and there was a, a... big bank there and he stopped just at the edge of the bank with the car spinning behind him coming after him the car stopped about must be about three inches from from where he was and you know we got out of the car and it was an amazing thing we looked around at ourselves he had a sore bottom but that was all that he had but the car wasn't scratched it wasn't touched had a little bit of grass on it from the grass verge and you think friday night traffic you know the lower court was looking now. The devil said, Oh, this I'm gonna make those guys, you know, road statistics uh for for New Zealand. But God overruled, you know? God says, Well, I'm the God that can open the Red Sea. Somehow, Friday night traffic both sides of the motorway, we skidded across and we came through in one piece. It was like nothing had happened. Could have been so different. But you know, God is a God that overrules, and I'm sure He's overruled in your life in different Situations that you faced. Remember when uh, another time I was, uh, we were in a car. We we're just parked in a car, in a friend's car in Avondale, and these two girls come trotting over. They were sisters. One had red hair. One had this had black hair. She was gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Girl come over and to the car, and and because they knew my friend who was driving the car was talking to somebody else, and I, but me, I was just poof straight away. I was smitten. I thought, whoa. This person is just absolutely amazing. But I was a really, really shy guy at, at that age. And so I'm trying to think, I, I'm, and, I'm, and my, the lower court's going like this. If my friend drives off, we nev- I'm never going to see this person again. I'm not going to know who she is. I not know anything about her. And uh, so my crazy head at, at that age was spinning around, all of these sorts of things coming. And then I thought, well, I've got to get out of here. I've got I've to ask her for a date and uh but then i thought well what if she says no you know she's sure to say no she's too good for for you and uh she's sh- gonna say no and then my friends they're gonna hear everything that happens i'm never gonna hear the end of it you know the feeling of that sort of thing anyway but it, you know somehow i don't know god helped me anyway i got out of the car i asked her for a date and she said yeah you know and and so that's how i met my wife i mean you met, well exactly But you just imagine, you know, when you look back at your life, history swings on small hinges. You know, all of us have connected in some way through a friend or somehow it's happened. What if it didn't happen that way? What if they didn't turn up? What if my wife had said, no, you know, God had a destiny. He's overruling in every experience in our life. We need to know that he is for us. God overrules in health and healing. I don't know how many people we've seen healed of sickness, diseases, cancers, sore backs, migraines. God just setting people free in so many different ways. And you know, this morning, God can touch your body and bring healing. You know, some of you here today, I I mean, as I was praying about coming here, I feel there are some people here with, with upset stomachs and the whole digestive all that sort of system has has been troubling you, not just for a a short time, but for a long time. You know, God wants to heal you. God wants to take that away, the discomfort, the pain, and everything associated with it. But you know what, if you've got back pains or head migraines, we just pray and believe God for all that he can do. Many years ago, my wife (coughs) had a, a lump come up on her breast, and uh, you know, it was just like those things freak you out, as as they do. And um, so she went. We went to the doctor, or she went to the doctor, and and the doctor had one look at it and, and examination and, and booked her into hospital that week. I mean, it wasn't messing around. He, he said, this, you know, this thing is going to be dealt with straight away. Well, we've not been Christians long, and uh, so Maggie said to the doctor, said, "Oh, look, we're Christians. You know, God's going to heal me," and uh, and he sort of looked at her like doctors do sometimes if they're not Christians mm-hmm. and think, oh, well, that's good. Anyway, make sure you turn up at hospital on Friday, you know, because we haven't an operation. So uh, anyway, so we, you know, we had friends who had healing ministries and we prayed and we all prayed for, you know, God to heal. You know, there's no change. And I remember every day, you know, we'd, we'd be praying in the morning, we'd pray at night and just, you know, for God to come through as you do. And um, and we drove to, to the hospital and the, because, you know, God can heal spiritually, supernaturally. But thank God we live in a day where there are great doctors and and uh, he can heal that way as well. And uh, we're very thankful for anything he does anyway. And anyway, we turn up the, to the hospital and we, I remember we prayed in the car, but no change. So Maggie goes in and I stay in the waiting room just to you know see what's um, going on or if I need to stay or if she's going to stay in or or what will happen and I'm sitting in the waiting room about 20 minutes go by and then she comes trotting out with a big smile on the face and and I said what's up you know she said I'll tell you in the car so anyway, we trot out to the car and uh anyway when the surgeon came to examine her there was nothing there it had gone you know so all the way right up, I don't know why it didn't happen the first day, you know, when your first, first prayer would have been a lot easier. But the thing is this, you know, that no matter what you're facing, God is a God that heals. He is the Lord, our healer. And we need to know that no matter what we are facing, it doesn't matter if it's cancer, it doesn't matter what sickness or disease it can be. We had a chap in church just a couple of weeks ago and uh, called him out the front for a pain in his back he'd had for 16 years i mean it's a long-term pain in the back we prayed for him and it didn't seem to be any change and we said well let's pray again so he prayed again you know and he was bending over and he's still this is about two months ago now and just totally free from pain you know god works miracles today he overrules God overrules with generational spirits. And I just want to explain this a little bit because, you know, many things we struggle with in life, attitudes, you know, anger, frustration, we're all different the way that we are put together and the way that we're made up. But so many things in our life, some things aren't things that have just started in our life, but they've been in the family line. They've been passed down to us. It could be things like depression or anger, hot temper, addictions. You know, just like our looks and physical appearance, it's all to do with DNA and genes and all of those things that are passed down. Spiritual things can also affect us in the same way. In Exodus 20, it says, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but I lavish Unfailing love for a thousand generations of those who love me and obey my commands. You know, some things we deal with that really frustrate us because we do the things we don't want to do. It's those things we wonder where did they come from because it's not the desire of our hearts, but it keeps coming back again and again. You know, these things didn't necessarily start with us. You know, in the scriptures, Isaac's wife Rebecca is a classic example. I mean, she was dishonest. She manipulated her children. She deceived her husband to try to get her own way with her favorite son, Jacob. And Jacob had exactly the same character as, um, as Rebecca had. He was a deceiver. He tricked his brother out of his birthright and his blessing. Together, they manipulated their family situation to work out what ultimately was God's purpose, but not the way that God wanted it to happen. And so Jacob had to leave his family, and he went to live with his uncle Laban, and he went there for 20 years. And when he got there, he saw this girl Rachel, the daughter of Laban, and and loved her immediately. And uh, Laban says, okay, if you work for me for seven years, you can marry her. And so The Bible says that for Jacob, it was like it was one day. Just went so quick. He was so much in love. Isn't that awesome? I hope you guys are like that with your wives and wives and your hubbies. Just fantastic. Seven years. Woo! Just like one day. It's amazing. And so they get married. Don't ask me about this to explain it. I can only tell what the Bible says. When he woke up in the morning, it was the wrong girl. How would you do that? That's amazing. That is unbelievable sometimes but it was laban being tricky he said oh no in 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 our tribe in this part of the world you marry the oldest daughter first you know and said work for me for another seven years and then i'll give you the other one as well and so he did 14 years he stayed there 20 years says laban changed his wages 10 times deceiving him, tricking him, manipulating that same spirit That in that family. It was in that family line. This was Rebekah's brother. And it was in Jacob. And God put him in that situation to teach him that he can't live like that. And Jacob fought Laban all the way, deceiving him and trying to get the edge on his uncle. And it went like that. So for 20 years, and then finally Jacob decides to come home. And he comes home, he's got to come back and meet the brother that he's cheated out of his birthright. And he sent all his family over this river. And for one night, he was on one side of the river alone with nobody else there. And God met him. It says that God wrestled with him for the whole night. He wasn't just wrestling physically, but he was dealing with his mental attitude. He was dealing with his emotions. He was dealing with his spirit. He was dealing about all of those lies and thoughts, that cheating had gone on, and God met with him, and wrestled with him, and fought with him, and in the morning, Jacob humbled himself, and he said, God, don't leave me without leaving me with blessing, and God ministered to him in that place of humility, and God changed his name from Jacob to Israel, and Jacob means a supplanter, a cheat, somebody who grabs things their own way. And Israel means the prince of God. God changed him that night. That encounter with with God changed his life forever and broke that generational curse. And you see it in his family line. You see his boys. If you read the stories of all the sons, you see that same sort of spirit rise up in different ways in each of them. But you know, except for one. There was one who was named Joseph. You don't find anything negative about Joseph. He was a man of integrity. He was tested so many times in so many ways. But every time he came through. You see, that generational curse that was passed down was broken by Jacob, manifest in Joseph, and Joseph became a restorer of all of his brothers and broke that power of that thing in that family line. You know there are things that we face in life that are not ne- necessi- ha- haven't started with us, but they've you've seen them in, in people's lives. I know in my family, I can look at both sides of our family, and I can see, oh, this person's had an addiction with alcohol, and and that one there is affected, but not everyone. But that one there is, and that one there, and it's the same. And on this family, there are other traits that I see that I can pick up. And you see, yeah, these, are, these are the things that where the enemy has got in and, and, and somehow has a hold. But these things can be broken in the name of Jesus. God, who overrules, can overrule like he did with Jacob, like he did with Joseph, like he did with the brothers, like he did in that household. I remember a time in Elam where at one of our conferences, we really felt that our whole movement in a way was being affected by what we call the spirit of poverty Uh, by that it's it's like a mental attitude it's not not meaning that you don't have any money but what it means is that you're mean spirited that you're not just generosity doesn't overflow we could see churches being restricted because you know so often uh, for for churches or, or decorating a church or whatever everything you know the mentality of so many church people in those days not just in our movement but in other movements was let's just do it the least we can you know i mean we believe in a spirit of excellence you know doing the best excellence doesn't mean that you spend a fortune to do everything but you do the very best with what you have it's an attitude it's a it's a spirit of generosity of welcoming people of of doing the very best with what we have but we could see that we were being As a movement, we were being restricted, and we recognized it. We recognized it amongst our uh, pastors, amongst our elders, and we just felt we wanted to confront this, and we did. And and all of us came to that conference. The whole conference came forward, and we prayed, and we took authority, and we broke the power. I remember going back home with with Maggie, and we got our kids, and we sat down with the kids in the lounge. And I can still remember, you know, just talking to them, I mean I was brought up mum was was a widow and and had six kids to bring up. you know i mean we didn't have a whole lot when we were kids we didn't we didn't know that of course we just we were rich as far as relationship and family and all those things. It wasn't until we got older that we realized we didn't have things that other people had and and Maggie came from a family of twelve and and so we you know we could see that that same Spirit at work in our lives. But what we what we didn't want was to be affected by that. No matter how much you have or don't have, we want to be generous. You know, you're generous in giving, but you're generous with smiles, with attitude, wanting to help, wanting to serve, wanting to be an outgoing uh, person. But it takes sometimes takes a breaking of that. You know, and and like I said, it's not a matter of the amount of money. Some of you might have seen the film of. um, Paul J. Getty, and, you know, the richest, all the money in the world, the movie's called. But if you study his life, at one point he was the richest man in the world, or or so they, as far as they know, anyway. He was at that time, but he was mean. He was such a mean-spirited person. It's like, what good is all of that if that's what it does to your heart and to your life? But, you know, so and we prayed with our kids, and, you know, we've seen our family's been blessed. I mean, times we've turned our backs on good jobs because God called us into ministry. You know, houses. Goodness, well, I don't know how many houses we've gone into and, and you know, they've been really rough and, and we've done them up and painted them and changed things around and done things, you know, again and again like that. But, you know, we look over at We've been so blessed. You know, God has done so many things. We look at our wider family, all of our families, both sides. Like we're talking... 12 kids, six kids, and and then their kids and and everything else, done so well in life, and some of them exceptionally well. And I believe it's because we confronted that spirit and said we're not going to accept that. That's not our code for living. God wants us to have the best. God wants you to have the best. And he doesn't want whatever your circumstances are because circumstances at times can take from us and they can add to us. But whatever the circumstances, he wants us to be a people that can be generous in attitude in life and enjoy life. We want the very best that God has for us. Last point is this. God overrules even in your losses, even when stuff is taken from you. And there wouldn't be anybody, I'm sure, that you can't look back at times where you've had a, you know, you've been done on some deal. You've either bought something, I I just we just bought a car the other day, a- and, you know, the last car I bought in a similar circumstance, I didn't even get home before it broke down. You know, you, I, I bought it, and I thought it was a bargain, it was great condition, I think it cost a thousand bucks, it was just an old car, but it was just ideal for exactly what we wanted to do at that time. And I got halfway home on the motorway, and it, overheated and blew up and everything else oh I'm sure well maybe you've never had something like that happen but I can tell you a few stories (laughs) of different things that have happened and times even when when have been cheated when things have been taken from us or bad news has happened or redundancies come up or sickness has come up and so losses happened because of that broken relationships Goods or money stolen from us. Stuff happens in life, and those things are not easy to go through. David and his men, they were out. They'd been away from home for three or four weeks. They'd been out raiding different villages of of, of their enemies, which they sort of do. They were soldiers, and uh, that's what they did. But they came home. They were exhausted. They had goods with them. But when they came home and got near their town, they could see smoke coming up. And they could see that somebody had come. And when they got there, to their town, they found that raiders had come to their town while they'd been away. They'd taken all of their goods. They'd taken their wives and all of their children. Everyone was taken captive. It says the men were so exhausted, they wept and wept until they became bitter in spirit. You know, there is times when you, just all your energy is gone. There's nothing left. And inside, it just hurts. And it's fine. That's where they were. And the men started to turn, started to talk about blaming David for what was happening. But, you know, David had a different spirit. And the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And, you know, it was 600 men. They were standing by. They were feeling all that they were feeling. But they saw their leader, and they saw what he did. They saw that he started to encourage himself in God. They'd seen this before. And they saw that he was connecting with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, while they were watching it, you know, they didn't have a great connection with God in the same way that David did. But they knew their leader, and they saw what was happening. And David connected with God, and he sought God and said, God, what do I do? And God said, you pursue them, and you will recover all. And David and only 400 of his men, 200 of his men were too exhausted, to travel, and 400 of them went and overcame the enemy. They, not one of their family was touched in any way. They were all restored. All of their goods came back. Not only did they get their goods back, but they got back more, because these Amalekites had been out raiding different towns, and they brought all of the plunder back. God said, you know, that you will recover everything that's been taken from you. You know, life can be tough and stuff can be taken from us. But you know, God overrules on our behalf. God cares about what's happening in your life. And what I love about this is not only did they get back what what had been taken from them, but they got back more. You know, my experience in life is this, is that when stuff happens, and it And it goes, and it 's gone and and i I can talk about I can give examples. There was one time we had to walk away from a house we 'd gone into an agreement to to buy a house, but the title hadn 't been made and and so it was all sort of a bit fluid it wasn 't down on paper; it was just an agreement between somebody that was close to us, and so we'd agreed on the price and all of these things and Finally, the paperwork was done and the title came through. But during those few years, prices had doubled, you know, in in the particular area where we were living. And so the person who did the original agreement, they wanted more money. But, you know, we'd we'd agreed on a certain amount. And and I can remember the night that, you know, we just took this to God and we said, well, God, what are we going to do with this? And I can remember, you know, sitting... Kneeling by the bed with with Maggie and just just praying and crying because you know this is your home, this is everything that we had. And uh, but you know, we just decided that what we the only option for us we couldn't continue on at the price that they were talking about is that we just had to leave it. And so we cried our tears, we prayed our prayers. And the funny thing is, a peace of God just came in, you know. And I remember go to bed, and we just slept all night, and I, I didn't think we would sleep at all, we got up in the morning, and, and did breakfast, we had the trailer ready to go, and uh, with all our goods on it, and you know, the phone rang, and it was the person who was, you know, who, who had made the agreement with, they said, look, we want you to come over and see us, we think we can work it out, and you know, the council had done a funny thing with the surveying, and Anyway, it's a long story, but the, re- the thing is this, that, you know, I know what I'm talking about when I say that sometimes, you know, you can lose so much, and, and, but you move on, and God can make it up. You make it up, sometimes you won't make it up in the same way that you lost it. You know, sometimes it can be a, a certain amount of money or, a, or, a, or something that, that is lost, but God's got a way of making that up. You know, and making up plus more. Sometimes it's to do with a, particularly with the quality of life and and who we're connecting with it and what his purpose is, purposes, what is plan for our life. We might lose one job and step into another one, but this has been God's plan. This is his direction and his focus for us. You know, Jesus said to, to Peter at one meeting, he said this. He said to him, He said Satan has come to sift you like wheat, but Peter, I have prayed for you to strengthen you so you will not fail. You know, we've got a Savior that's at the right hand of the Father praying for us, but we can also pray for one another, you know, for God to work the circumstances for good. And I want to say this morning, you know, if you're facing anything, you know, Love to pray and just just believe and and take authority and and break all the power of the enemy and what he tries to do in his limited way to take us down or to discourage us. This is a day to make a new start and a new stand. Listen, this this is what I w- I'd like to do a- a- in closing. I I just love to pray for you. You know, as as, as family, you might be couples. Some of you will obviously be be single, and but I'd love the opportunity just to pray for you and just pray for the blessing of God. But I just want to do it as a group, you know, because and, and I'm happy to pray individually at the end of uh, prayer, but I'd really like to j- pray for you all if we could do that. If, can we have somebody on, maybe on the keyboards or something, just for, is that cool? Oh, look, no, no, just stay. We'll just do this first. Can we just stand where we are? Is you okay with this? Look, what I'd like to do, and what I'd like you to really think about is this, that if I've touched on something today, because I'm really talking about God overruling, you know, where there's health issues, you know, where there's financial issues, where you feel there are generational things that you can recognize, and you know, God's just... Maybe pop those things into your mind, into your heart, things you want to break, things you want to see free. I want to take authority over every curse, every work of the enemy, every lie that's ever been spoken. You know, we're only here for the blessing of God, but I want to take authority and break his power over you, over your life, over your circumstances, and then just pray the blessing of God. Thank you father god lord we worship you thank you lord god hallelujah look i'd like you to pray out loud after me and just i just want you to bring things to the lord and so i'm not going to ask you to name anything out loud of that but if there are things that you want to you know see broken just say them you know i'm going to say lord i just confess or I give to you And, and you just say it you can say it silently but just give it to the Lord because there's a place of just releasing to God you know things where the enemy has been at work or troubled us mistakes we've made frustrations that keep coming back so if you just pray after me and then when you get to that point just say whatever it is silently dear heavenly father I thank you that you love me thank you for Jesus for dying on the cross for my sins God I thank you that you're the God that overrules Lord you know these things Lord that have battled in my life Lord I give them to you right now and I just want you to say those things in your mind just speak them out to him to take them Areas you want victory, areas you want better than what you've had. Blessings on your life, blessings on your family, blessings for your wife, for your husband, for someone that's close to you. Father God, Lord, I thank you that you've heard everybody's prayer here this morning. I thank you that you're the God that overrules. Lord, in your name, Lord, I take authority in the name of Jesus. I tell you, devil, you get your hands off. These people, each individual here is a child of God, paid for, sins forgiven, brought with the blood of Jesus. And I proclaim the victory and the mighty release of the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, release your anointing and your blessing. Touch every individual here. Father, I pray for couples. Holy Spirit, that you will release your anointing and that you'll bless them. Bless their life, bless circumstances. Father God, I pray for people that are battling financially. Lord God, I pray for breakthrough and blessing. And Lord, I release the anointing of your prosperity and favor. Lord God, bless every person. Lord, with good health. Father, we just thank you. This is the day that you have made. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.